At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 418th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Did you know the best seeds for your garden don't come from the nursery? In fact, the seeds that will create the most robust and delicious fruits and vegetables come directly from your garden. This is because they are uniquely adapted to your growing conditions, better than anything you can buy from a fancy catalog or website. Through the magic of seed saving, it is quite possible to have the garden of your dreams. The best part is, saving your own seeds is surprisingly easy and fun. With a bit of instruction, anyone can become a seed-saving superstar. Let us teach you how in our free seed-saving webinar. Just text SEEDS to 33444 to sign up or visit SeedSavingHacked.org for more information. That's SEEDS to 33444 or visit SeedSavingHacked.org. Today on our podcast, we have someone who promotes ecological diversity and preserving the health of our planet. We're talking with Kat Granger about starting a small seed business. Kat is a master gardener and creator of Seeds of Embulk in Fergus, Ontario, Canada, where she grows heirloom organic seeds and plants and is a grower for a larger organic seed group. Kat has been featured on the TV show Let's Get Growing and in Omafra produce videos spoken at Canada Blooms, the Pollination Guelph Symposium, and at CD Saturdays. She is an instructor with the Upper Grand School District, hosts a monthly newsletter called Home on the Grange, and enjoys sparking gardening addictions. Kat is a member of Seeds of Diversity, Seed Savers Exchange, and the Ontario Biodynamic Society. Plus, she's a graduate of Seed School Online. Welcome to the show today, Kat. Are you ready to rock your seed business? Amen. I sure am. Love it. (laughs) And thank you, thank you, thank you for seed school. I love it. You bet. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? I would love to. Uh, who doesn't like talking about their passions? Just right? stop, stop me at will. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, 
my on my website, I, I ask, are you an ecolutionary, a revolutionary ecological action figure? And uh, I think we should all have capes because this work is so important. So fill in the blanks. I'm going to tell you how I got to that point of the cape. Mm-hmm. So I was a child of immigrants. My parents immigrated here after the war from England. And so I didn't have any family here. So as a young girl, I sort of would, would uh, dream of having family and what they would do and imagine cooking with them and so on. It was just a really important time to connect with family. It was a really fun thing to do, you know, looking up recipes and baking and cooking. It was sort of my creative outlet. Mm-hmm. And then I found out my grandfather in England had apparently been a really marvelous gardener and he used to show his flowers and his veggies and win all these awards. Wow. And my father, <laughs> my father loved to garden, so I kind of think it's in my genes. So this it was a story I had that connected generations. So it was really fascinating to me as a little girl since I didn't have the actual family. Mm -hmm. So my love of cooking sort of led to my love of growing my own food, which sort of led to my interest in seeds, which became an addiction (laughs) that I know you understand. Oh, yes. I have little pockets of seeds everywhere that I've saved over the years. And I finally, (laughs) I finally got clued in and thought, oh, I need to put a Sharpie marker note on this bag as to what it is. Right. I'll remember. It doesn't work so well anymore. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I I have the same. I'm sitting in my kitchen right now and there's seeds everywhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) as well as in my shop. So that's part of the story we'll get to. But back to the seeds for a minute. So seeds were were sort of like my grown-up version of like a kid in a candy store, right? So it's like, you know, with this, I I think of them and I I react with them sort of like with the same excitement and wonder and awe. they're just so amazing. Mm -hmm. So I, when I, my son was young and I was working full time, I didn't have a lot of time to garden, but I still had a small garden where I grew some of my own food and still wasn't really into it at that point, although I loved it. And then I moved from a big city, Guelph, uh, to a, a farm where we had 50 acres and then we got some cows and horses and chickens and I had a bigger garden and I grew more food and I sort of got a more into it and realizing how nature all works together and it was just 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 so endlessly fascinating so when we moved from the farm to where I am here in this small town where I live of Fergus we only I only have three quarters of an acre here Mm-hmm. But I do an awful lot on it. So I sort of didn't have all the animals and the work there. So I thought, okay, well, what am I interested in? I thought, well, definitely horticulture. So I joined the Horticultural Society and I learned so much there. And then I learned, you know, I just thought, you know, I need more. I need more. <laughs> it's like addiction. Mm-hmm. So then I joined Master Gardeners. So I took a course with Dalhousie University, which is in Nova Scotia, which is an online course to qualify for Master Gardeners. So that took me a couple of years. And then I created what I called Full Circle Garden because I knew that somehow I wanted to get this information out and share it with people. It was so important and I could see so many people disconnected from it. So, but I didn't really have a focus for what Full Circle Garden really was. And I, but I started speaking to horticultural societies and other groups. And when I spoke, people wanted the vegetables that I spoke about. So then I started carrying around little packets of seeds and, and selling little packets of seeds. 
And so that sort of led to the idea of moving into that in a much bigger way. And I called it Seeds of Imbolc, and I-M-B-O-L-C. And the way I chose that, well, it kind of chose me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I found that this Imbolc was a very, very ancient druid or beyond celebration of the seed. It was a celebration of renewal, spring renewal, and bringing in the new and out with the old. And I just loved it so much and the story of it that I thought that's that's got to be it. On my journey of this whole lifetime, I've just been so fascinated with the big picture of our connection with nature. And and it's um, something you might want to call that the spiritual side of it, or mm-hmm. biodynamics is very much that, even though I'm not... Uh, into that in a huge way, I did take courses in that, and it's fascinating all on its own. It's a huge topic, but so the inbox sort of tied in the seeds with the whole bigger picture and how it all fits together for me. As we've discussed before, you know, education is the key to changing all the things that we see in our world that are just, you know, just don't sit right with us. And yes. And the work you do, you and Bill, and, you know, it's so important. You know, the Seed School and programs and initiatives like this are just so fantastic. So I I think I I must have come across Seed School because I must have come across your podcast. And this was, um, I think, 2016 I took Seed School. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I had already sort of started Seeds of Imbolc in a small way. And then I then I when I found Seed School, I thought, wow, I'm not totally crazy. There's other people just like me. Right. <laughs> so I just loved it. So and learned so much, of course. And then I really got into even more about seeds and realizing there are no Canadian seed suppliers or very, very few of organic or I call it authentically organic because I think the word organic has been taken over and kind of not what we think it is anymore. Mm-hmm. So I met, there's a, a woman who really inspires me and she has, she started off very small at her kitchen table as most seed businesses do. Uh, her name is Kim Delaney and she has Hawthorne Organic Seeds and uh, Palmerston, which is not too far from me, about a half an hour, but it's even further north than I am. So then I started growing seeds for her. So my property is actually certified organic under her certification, but I don't sell my seeds as certified organic. I just say organic because of the the reasons I just stated, you know, I don't believe in the organic sing, uh, symbol anymore. But and then just getting into more of how the big corporations, you know, have taken over our, our seeds and we're losing our genetic diversity. So all the things I love so much as a child, the foundation of my whole world is food and, you know, the connection and how it connects people. And to see that this was at risk just was uh, blew me away. It's like they say, you know, you can't march and do a, a against war. You have to march for peace. Yes. <laughs> so yes, I don't yes, march. Yes. Yeah, so I don't march for against Monsanto or glyphosate or all those things because it just gives that energy. So what I promote our reconnection back with nature, and it's just like one by one, 
each person that I inspire and change and, and people like start to get it. And it's just like, you know, one more, one more tick, one more chalk mark for the good guys, you know, back to nature. And it's really the, the panacea that, that we seek. Um, the great forgetting of our connection with the natural world is wreaking havoc with our own health and the health of our beautiful planet. So just reconnecting people back to you know, we are nature, you know, we inhale with the trees exhale, and we're just joined at a molecular level, there's no beginning and no ending. And all the epidemic and health issues, you know, dementia, and diabetes, um, depression, anxiety, they're now actually proving with science what we always knew is that it's because people are so disconnected from the Mm -hmm. earth and from eating really good food properly the way we should and you know even as much as getting into the earth and having contact with it and they call it earthing where you actually have bare skin on the earth Mm -hmm. so your ions rebalance and they found out that even makes massive health changes so it's almost like we're going back to square one but we get to take our technologies with us. So I see the future. I'm totally hopeful for the future that, you know, we're going to have the best of both worlds and change happens one person at a time. And it's education is so, so important. Oh, amen to that. Yeah. So you said something really curious a minute ago. You said the great forgetting. Tell me about that because I have, I have some history with that phrase that I want to talk about, but where did yours come from? Oh, well, that's that's part of my endlessly fascinating journey of this whole thing is so totally connected. For me, as a society, we have forgotten our connection with the natural world. We are nature, as I had said before, you know, we, we inhale what the trees exhale, and we are joined at a molecular level. And, you know, trees and plants, they harness the power of uh, an energy of our star, which is the sun, and it mm-hmm. passes it on to us. And it's such a stunningly complex yet simple, interwoven, just a magical universal mesh that we are all, we are just such a part of. And, you know, the the soil, it's just a recycler of all of us. And, and it's recycling at its finest. And the elements are recombined to create new forms of food and us and animals and flowers and insects. And, and it all works together. And so, you know, we are of the earth and the moon and the stars and this infinite process of cosmic creation and destruction. And, and we've I, forgotten all of that. Well, you can call it a nefarious interruption, or you can just say it was just part of our quote-unquote progress, but Uh the money makers of the world have separated us from our food and from nature because as they become the middleman, then we depend on them instead of knowing our connection to the planet and knowing we are totally safe and the world is infinitely abundant. And so they create fear that without them, we won't have food and then we have to give them our power and give them our money. And so the remembering of what we've always known is just, uh, it's a coming back to who we really are. Yeah. And the safe place of, I mean, and what better example of infinite abundance than seeds you know they just this the one little seed 
it's just this magical little packet that was incredible technology that we have no idea how it does what it does. And then it just produces a plant which produces thousands of more plants and feeds us in the process and feeds, you know, and takes nothing from, you know, doesn't destroy the earth in any way. So we used to be a part of that and we are a part of that, but we've just forgotten. Yes, we think we're not. And so therefore, you know, you have this epidemic of anxiety and depression, but, you know, and then the the scientific community has now quoted this, uh, you know, forest bathing, just for instance, how they have now, now that our science is kind of trying to catch up with nature, I don't know if we ever will, but our science has now proven that the forest creates these extremely complex chemical compounds that are antimicrobial, they're antidepressants. You know, so, you know, when you walk into a forest, it's like walking into a cathedral and everyone feels better when they've been there. And then this is why. So as much as people may want to think it's woo-woo or crazy that, you know, getting your hands in the dirt and growing your own food is not healthy. It's magic. It's just magic. And, you know, I want, I'm dying to get into, well, we won't talk about that later, what I'm going to get into, but seeing children's eyes light up, you know, they're so, they're so into it. They're so excited about seeds and, and it's just all so, it's all connected. The reason I had to ask that question is because Daniel Quinn, in all of his writings, he wrote Ishmael and the story of B and in all all of his writings, he talks about the great forgetting. And I would say, after hearing you explain what the great forgetting is from your perspective, that you had read all of his work, but you haven't. No, I haven't. So, wow. That magically explained it. You you hit it dead on, my understanding of it anyways. Yeah. Yes, just when it's just a a gut feeling. I mean, Mm -hmm. you just feel it. And when you introduce people to it, like I I, uh, have grown into having workshops, I created a space and I have this, when the property had this old barn on it. And so I've taken the last couple of years and I renovated it so that it's this beautiful workshop space. And I began holding workshops, uh, teaching people all different things. Um, Just, I, I kind of picture all that is a sort of circle. And at some point, something is going to plug you into the circle when you've sort of forgotten who you are, where Mm -hmm. you belong. And so my thing, of course, is nature. So teaching people, even microgreens, you can grow your own food in in our climate because it's all white and snowy here right now. But you can still grow this incredibly nutritious food right on your windowsill. You don't need anything special, but it's seeds. You need the seeds to grow the food. And it's all just all just a big, awesome, connected spot. That's also the secret word for me is that's the connection. So I always, you know, say, how do you reconnect people? And so that question is the thing, you know, led me one step at a time to where I am today. Because food is common to us all. And, you know, it connects us all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm very passionate about it. So I've actually started writing a book. Oh, about? <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's going to chronicle my part of this really deep journey and our connection to our food, quote unquote, with all my insightful growing advice and personal anecdotes and, you know, ways of connecting with our food that's in a real soul satisfying, very healing way. So I'll tell uh, you what. We've been chatting now for about 18 minutes, Uh and your words are beautiful. 
So I look, yeah, the way you express yourself and share, you know, share your stories, they're beautiful. So I would really look forward to reading your book. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. (laughs) You bet. Now that all my renovations are done, it was sort of like the the shop. I just sat on my step one day. I was looking at this old barn, and I'm just sort of contemplating, as we always do, how you know, next step forwards. How do we do? How do we do what we want to do? And I just said, you know, somebody is going to bring up the the possibilities of that shop, and it's going to be me. So it's now it's now elevated from a barn to a shop. Although I think I'll always call it a barn. Barn, yes. And then it just sort of happened almost by itself. Of course, we we need to make put our foot forward towards the action because we are the ones that make the action happen. But I also I think the universe is when it's totally behind you, stuff just magically comes together and the synchronicities happen. And the shop just I just got the right contractors and they were all on time and everything happened perfectly. And it just it was just a massive project that that just got done and I was just here all by myself and the you know the dump trucks are coming and going and and then I now I've got this beautiful space and it's full of seeds and everyone that walks in there is just just watching their face because sometimes when you're in it all the time you kind of forget so when people come in and they're just so they're like wow like this is so inspiring I just love coming here it's just so inspires me and and it's just like Sometimes I forget because I'm in it all the time, but uh-huh. it's so wonderful having having people come and that uh, education is the key. And so then, you know, you hear back from people. But anyway, that's part of our next part. So oh, yes. <laughs> I will jump into that. Yeah. Well, I want there's a couple of things I want to touch on before we get go any further. And that's your bio says that you're a grower for a larger organic seed group. I want to talk about that a little bit and how really anybody could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I found out about co-ops and we actually tried to, to get a food co-op going, but that's a story for our next part. But, and then how people can work together, just, just the idea of a co-op or people once this whole picture, of course, is people working together for the betterment of all. So there's an organization called VPN, Vegetable Producers Network. And because there are really no Canadian seed producers for, you know, a farmer that may want to buy really high quality Canadian produced seed, there's really nowhere for them to go. So smaller growers grow, this may be up for debate, but this is my feelings on it. Smaller growers produce very high quality seed. As to a big, big grower, that the person comes out of the equation and it's now just all done by machines. Mm-hmm. My seeds, you know, I, I choose the plant. If the plant's not doing well or it's not up to type or, you know, roguing. I think it's John Navazio that said, I could be wrong, that said the best thing for your plants is the, is the farmer's shadow. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. So I, I think that connection and also that energy of you might want to call it love. Once again, people kind of think this is a bit woo-woo, but our science is actually catching up to it. And so for those that have to have scientific proof, it's coming. But I think the love and the intention that you put into your food as it's growing and you're caring for it transfers into the food as we eat it. 
and our bodies get that those forces, which goes back to biodynamics. Mm-hmm. Biodynamics, of course, from Rudolf Steiner. I took a course with, uh, there's a man named Corey Eichmann here who has Saugeen River CSA. And, you know, he does use his horses and the whole thing. I think he's the president of the Ontario Biodynamics Society right now. But biodynamics is really a very deeply spiritual connection with all of nature. So it just it's just all so connected and so exciting, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to stop pontificating and see if there's anything you want to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, well, the next thing uh, in your bio is CD Saturdays. Tell us what a CD oh. Saturday is because, you know, us, us, us Americans down here probably don't know what that is. Oh, you don't? Oh, my goodness. CD Saturdays are, I think... You have seed savers in the States, and we have our, our Canadian version of that is called Seeds of Diversity Canada, which is owned by the people that donate. So it's not a government organization. It's owned by the people, and they will preserve some seeds that they kind of try to monitor catalogs and, and save seeds. And so I grow out seeds for them, too, and return it back to be dispersed out to other gardeners and preserve it. As you know, seeds have to come out and be grown so that they climate to adapt to the climate and mm-hmm. so on. CD Saturdays, that is a community organization that, that anybody can start. And so it's just the community getting together and sharing their seeds. There's a table People bring their seeds to share. You can take seeds. You can bring seeds. And there's also seed vendors there. So mm-hmm. people like me, I'll be, I'll be bringing my seeds for sale. I'll also donate some seeds to the table. And then there's other local. So it, it really connects people back to their local seeds and local growers and that whole really important back to smaller community sustainable group kind of an idea. And also promotes people to actually grow seeds and grow local seeds and put the seeds back into the seed. It's not a seed bank, but it's a place to go to exchange and share seed. This year, I'm co-chairing the Seedy Saturday here, which is March the 16th in Fergus. Pretty excited about that. And it was, I think, 2014 when I tried to get people, get some help to get this going. And there was one man, his name was Alec Calder, who actually took up the charge because I didn't have time myself because I'm, I'm doing all of this on my own. Uh-huh. Oh, I understand <laughs> so, that. Yeah. So he, he took up the charge and we, and he got, he got it all going. And unfortunately this uh, past year he passed away. Hmm. So I am helping, I'm co-chairing to keep it going and very exciting. And so all communities are starting to get on the bandwagon and just a fabulous community event brought together around seeds yes mm-hmm. exactly. nice so tell me about your seed company who can buy your seeds what you know what kind of seeds do you have well i go back to seed school once again and bill mcdormand said that he goes he doesn't know why he said but it generally takes seed companies about 5 years to take off mm-hmm. he goes so just relax get your seed inventory up you know get your designing and all your packaging and all that stuff and figure out what it is you want to do and then you've got like 5 years before it kind of takes off so i'm not at the 5 year mark so it certainly has not taken off but as i said i'm very small i will not grow seeds i only grow seeds on my own property because this is my, what I'm passionate about is local. Yeah. So a lot of seed companies have to just for 
they're, you know, to make ends meet, they have to buy seeds out in bulk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended there. And then they repackage and sell. So, but I will never do that. So I'll never be a big company, but my seeds are all grown right here. So, and they're all grown totally organically, very authentically organic, I like to call it, because there there are no loopholes in my system of bringing nature back to balance here. So I have a lot of different tomatoes at the moment. It's growing, and I have a lot of seeds I haven't got on my website yet, just because as a one-man show, it's a little hard, and I've been under massive renovations here for for the last couple of years. So yeah. it's coming, it's coming. And I'm excited to keep that going. Excited to offer this to people, even though it's a slow process. But I asked everyone I knew, I'm a part of Master Gardeners group. So all the gardening groups and gardening friends I have, what what would you do different about your seed packets? Is there any sort of wish list thing? Like, what could I do different? Mm-hmm. Like seeds are generally all in these paper packages. And, and I understand why, because it's, you know, inexpensive. So my seed packets are this in these little resealable plastic packages that they have an airtight zipper so that keeps out the dust and the dirt and the moisture and it has maximum UV protection in the spring you know you generally you go out and your hands are wet and it's, it might be raining and the ground is generally moist and you've got all your paper packages and once the seeds get wet of course they're really not going to store very well for you or probably not going to be ones you don't use or probably right. not going to be better so that's why I went with those packages ah, and um, that's very good and generally when you you're starting a lot of seeds you will start all these flats or containers of seeds and then do the famous I'll remember what that is. <laughs> <laughs> just so like I the pack just like the bags of seeds laying around my house, mm-hmm. yes. Exactly. So I put in two stakes with the names on it so that you can just start your put all you need is soil. So you put the seeds in your soil and you put the stake in and you know exactly what it is. So seed saving. You're actually growing things out and saving the seeds and then making them available for other people. That's the process. So tell us how you save tomato seeds. How do you get tomato seeds ready to go out to somebody? Well, tomato seeds, um, I've got quite a few varieties. It's a, a learning curve, which is fascinating about when you're selling for commercially, which although I'm very small, it's almost funny to say commercially, but I'm offering them to the public as true to type. So mm-hmm. One of my favorite uh, tomatoes is Pruden's Purple. It's called, She's. it's not purple. It, it's a very deep pink beefsteak tomato, but I've grown it for a very long time and it's always reliable. So once I, I pick the, the best, the ones that are true to type, so they're supposed to be a certain size, a certain color, and it's a healthy plant. And so that's the one I want to, you know, carry on the trait of Pruden's Purple. So it'll be true to what that is. So those are the ones that I choose, that fruit, let it get really, really ripe, and then squish out the seeds. Uh, if you're doing it small scale, you could squish them into a glass or a, or a container. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you generally don't need to add any water. You just usually got lots of juice and such in there. And I just whisk it around a little bit to break up the pulp from the seeds and then let it ferment. So it's lacto-fermentation, which is so important for so many things of our eating and our guts and keeping our microbiome healthy. But it actually dissolves the little gel seed coat around the tomatoes which prevents apparently that gel sac is supposed to prevent it from germinating. So once you, the lacto-fermentation actually eats the little gel sac off, which may harbor some, any diseases that may have been soil borne. So Mm -hmm. you're actually getting a healthier seed. So once that gets this layer of 
white mold on top of it, then that's done. <laughs> then I just, uh, then they get dumped into a strainer and all the, the mold and the bits of pulp are washed off. And then you have this nice clean seed. Do not put it on paper towels because you'll never get them off. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or if it's a small amount, you can just use a coffee filter. It works perfectly. Or if you're doing a really large amount, you could just use a screen, like a window screen, and just let them dry. And this is really important that they dry really, really well. Yes. And then once then they're they're sorted then and clean, and then they need to be to package. It's a, just a, a mind-boggling job. To I have so much appreciation for small seed companies. It's the the work of not only doing all the growing and the care of the plants, but the the cleaning of the seeds. I mean, that's a wet seed cleaning job, but there are, you know, all the dry seeds, the flowers and so on. It's it's a massive job to clean these seeds. And these big seed companies, of course, have big deep pockets and can can afford to buy this really expensive seed cleaning equipment, which of course small people can't. So, you know, in a seed package you might get a little bit of chaff. But you know what? People need to realize that that's just part of nature and it doesn't, you know, when I plant my own things, it has a lot of chaff because I don't bother cleaning my own so much. Yeah, just education is the key. So that's the, you know, the process and the learning curve and seeds have to be, you know, different plants have to have different populations for genetic health. So, and then they have to be a certain distance apart if you're going to, you know, sell these seeds commercially and you know just uh, it was sort of mind-boggling for me that squash had to have like 80 plants that's a lot of room squash needs 80 plants for grow out in order to get the the genetic uh, diversity is what is what seeds of diversity is recommending the thing i learned from seed school which was really important for me as a really small grower is that you can grow i can grow like say 40 or 20 or whatever i can manage to grow and then the next year i can grow more and then then I've got my diversity so I don't have to do it all in one year if it's of course a seed that will last for years I know not it's not going to work for a seed say parsnip that's you know don't they don't last very long they have different viability schedules on them of course so it's just it's a huge learning curve and they're they're just they're just so fascinating. Each one, you know, likes to germinate differently and likes different conditions. And it's like a little combination lock you have to figure out for each seed. Some yeah. some I will plant in trays out in the unheated greenhouse, you know, anytime now. And so they get the freeze and the thaw going on, and then they germinate in the on their own in the spring. And others need, you know, tomatoes and peppers and such need the heat mats and the grow lights and are much more labor intensive when you're in a climate like I am. So it's a great learning curve. And it sounds like you enjoy it immensely. Oh, I do. It's such a thrill working so closely with nature. It's my happy place running my hands through bins of beans. (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh... I'm harvesting and processing cow peas right now here at the Urban Farm for a project we're doing next year. So ah. I understand that process. It's uh, I, I do it while I'm watching TV. Yeah. yeah. It's like nobody gets to come and visit without sitting shelling beans or peas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. One of the cool things that you have mentioned multiple times is it's all about education. And I am mm. a big shout out for that as well. 
Oh yes, I'm I'm one of your biggest fans. <laughs> well, <laughs> you do you. such an amazing job, and you're so you inspire me so much with your go epic. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Well, this whole conversation has been epic. So good job. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. A failure. Well, a success only comes after umpteen uncountable failures, if you want to call them that. I think the thing I would have to say is I really overestimated how others perceive the importance of the things that I am so passionate about. You know, you think you can just tell them once and they'll just get it. They look at you like you have four heads and like, what are you you on about? Like, stop it. Like, go Jets. Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what? And uh, so, you know, I'll just never understand how someone can just be completely uninterested in how their food is grown or the nefarious interference in our food system and not want to be part of the solution. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I've had the wind knocked out of my sails so many times. I just had to, you know, really take stock of the situation again and again. You know, am I making a difference? Like, is this crazy? Like, should I just go get a real job? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) And, you know, it's, but, you know, seeds have just done so much for us. And, you know, now they are asking for a voice. And it's just a really deep, compelling calling that just can't be ignored so that's if that's a failure then that's it that was beautiful so what do you consider your biggest success wow successes those are after a long line of quote-unquote failures Failures, yeah (laughs) i think i think what i would have to say perhaps is outside confirmation of the effect of my efforts qualifies to me as a success you know whether it's the effect on nature that I see in my garden how everything's rebalancing itself and how the good bugs come back when you're not spraying chemicals killing the bad bugs and how it all just start it just I mean you build it and they will come you know and the the people that that was brilliant because that is so true it is oh and it's just magic to be part of it Uh, the people that I inspire uh, just blow me away it's when I see the lights come on in Mm -hmm. someone's eyes when they actually get it they just light up and they just physically change and it's so exciting you know people are just like they're almost jumping up and down like little kids like going oh I'm so inspired I want to go home and start growing stuff and I have to say the the woman that owns the larger organic seed company that I grow for she so inspires me, you know, that I think, well, you know, she did. I can do it. Keep going. Keep going. That's There's the magic right there. Yeah. That's the magic in all of our conversations. That's why I do these podcasts. That's why I like sharing people's stories because we can point to you, Kat, and say, you know what? Kat did it. Yes. <laughs> so you can do it. Or somebody so listening true. can say, you know what? Kat did it. I can do this. Yes, exactly. And that's exactly the point when I do my speaking is that you can do this. It's not rocket science. Getting back to to, to Kim for me, you know, when she comes here, you know, to pick up seeds or whatever, you know, she is blown away by my space, mm-hmm. which blows me away. I'm like, you're inspired by me? Like she's, and then, you know, she said, I was so inspired after I was at your place all the way home. I was so excited about, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I was like, I did that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
And so, you know, and having her wax poetic about the quality of my seeds, you know, she's like, there was 99% germination on your pepper seeds. She goes, that's unheard of. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just because they're grown with such love and handpicked and, you know, just picked when they're supposed to be, when they're ripe. The seeds are like little babies and longer they have to germinate or, you know, in the gestational period, the, you know, just like a preemie baby, you don't want preemies. So they have all their, you know, build up all their immunities and everything if you let them mature. So, but just back to small growers being so important because they have hands on. Yep. In the shadow of the farmer. Yes. So this, this might be redundant, but what drives you? (laughs) Well. I believe in the power that we each have to make a difference. I believe that as we change ourselves, we change our world. And I know that together, we are an unstoppable force for good. And each day, I'm just shown more and more. And it's just such a fascinating ride that I wouldn't want to miss. And I just am so blessed to be part of it all. Yeah, wow. That was beautiful. Thank you. So a book, do you have one for our listeners? Well, that was a tough one, but I I do have one that I think just catapulted me into my trajectory of where I am now. I was at an OHA conference, which is Ontario Horticultural Association. And the speaker, the keynote speaker was Diana Bursford Kroger. And She wrote a book, well, she's written many books, but she wrote this book called The Global Forest. Uh, She's a Canadian and she's a botanist and a medical biochemist. And she was so moving and so adamant about the precipice we are on and how the importance of each of us going home right away and planting a certain tree or, you know, it was just, it was like she inspired readers to and and the people that were listening to her to you know look at trees for instance and look at their own connection to the natural world with newfound awe and she really galvanized me into really more serious action about the power that one person can make change happen you know she's an expert on medicinal environmental and the nutritional properties of trees she travels all over the world she's she's done amazing things and just they I call it nature's pharmacy. You know, she may find that there's one left of this certain kind of tree. And so she she lives in Ontario, actually. And she's, mm-hmm. she sort of has this this nursery. She's caretaking these, these very, very rare species because we have pretty much killed them all off. So she is an amazing woman and has really inspired me, among yeah. others. But that's yeah. one. <laughs> Well, I'm on on her website, calloftheforest.ca. It looks like she's got a uh, documentary film out about this where maybe I need to try and get her on the podcast. Oh, that would be amazing. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, I would have to say follow your heart. Follow your joy and you will find your passion. Life is just too short not to. It's your passion and your joy will change the world. So don't take no for an answer because what do they know? And who told them that they could tell you no? Follow your gut. (laughs) 
right. follow, follow your gut instincts and our intuition is our direct connection to nature. So it will never lead you wrong. So follow it. Wow. Epic, epic conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Kat. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here and you so inspire me. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, you bet. So how can we get seeds? How can our listeners find you? I have a website. It's just being uh, worked on. It's supposed to be making it faster and better, but hopefully it's done by now. It's www.seedsofimbolc.ca. And Imbolc is I-M-B-O-L-C. I on on there you can you can sign up for my newsletter and I have to say that I don't always get a newsletter out just because of being a one man one woman show one person show is uh, is a little bit uh, daunting but I keep going step by step good and uh, then I have an online store there and I you can find me at CD Saturdays if you're in Ontario perfect you can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash cat Granger. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and every place where podcasts are found. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Claiming your inner urban farmer is easy. Grow food, share it, and name your farm. Then let the world know you're an urban farmer while supporting our podcast. Pick up your urban farmer bling, hats, and t-shirts at imanurbanfarmer.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, Head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.